Hello everybody and welcome back to Folk on Falcons. I'm Philip Mundy and joining me is... Ian Joseph. Firstly, Merry Christmas everybody. Secondly, as always, you can wish us festive cheer or just hurl abuse or whatever you want to do on our social media accounts where you can find us at. Yep, so on Facebook, it's simply, uh, if you type in at Folk on Falcons, you'll see uh, the picture of our mugs. And then if on you go on Twitter, it's just exactly the same, uh, at Folk on Falcons. If you'd like to send us an email the old-fashioned way, uh, again, pretty straightforward, folkonfalcons at mail.com. Thank you. So this week's episode takes a bit of a different format to that which you may be used to. That's because our match with Leicester was obviously cancelled. And then we met up with our, you could say, counterparts from Bristol. Uh, we spoke to Pete from Bears Beyond the Gate, and we had a bit of to and fro with him about various things and asked him a few questions and um, he gave us a few answers and we're just going to insert that into the middle of this podcast. And then we'll finish up in the usual way where we're going to have a quick chat. Um, we're going to talk about the um, awarding of points when matches like ours are abandoned or postponed or cancelled, whatever you want to call it. And then finally we're going to do a quick roundup of the Premiership results. So, let's begin. Um, Leicester Tigers can't field a team because of coronavirus. It would seem that we're going to get four points and they'll get two. What are your thoughts on that, Ian? Uh, well, obviously a bit disappointing uh, because I think everyone's looking forward to the Boxing Day clash. Uh, we've done quite a bit of build-up about how important a match it was. Um, obviously, we hope everyone at Leicester is safe and well. Um, but uh, I guess at the end of the day, we get the four points, which I suppose we probably would have taken to begin with, though we could have got five, but that's just how it is. I think the issue really is Leicester getting their two points. Um, I mean, we spoke last week, didn't we, in terms of the Heineken Cup points distribution in instances like this where one team gets five, one team gets zero. We thought that was very harsh. Um, I think we can't be hypocritical. I think it's right in that we probably get four points, but Leicester getting two seems quite generous now. I know we'll probably talk about this more later, uh, but that's where it stands. Like, so I guess at the end of the day, despite the disappointment of obviously no big Boxing Day clash, it's four extra points and we'll go up to second. So, you know, happy days going into 2021. Yeah, I think the only thing I'd have to add on that is that I, I think had we played last we probably would have come out victors. Maybe not such a good points difference, but we might have had a chance to um, bed in some of the, the new Argentinian signings before the Bristol game. Uh, I'm not sure whether they'll necessarily start the Bristol game after not having any rugby under their belt since playing in the Tri-Nations. But I think the plan would have definitely been to give Orlando a run out on Boxing Day and potentially um, our new signings, which we're also going to talk about, which we should probably do now. Ian, what do you know about these other two Argentinians we've come across? Yeah, so uh, Dean Richards obviously got his contacts in Argentina, picking the, uh, I suppose, the, the players from uh, Juan Juarez. Uh, but I think the really exciting signings, I mean, just came out of absolutely nowhere, didn't they? Um, out of the two of them, the one I'm personally more familiar with is uh, Santiago uh, Grondona, who I I do recall seeing in those recent games Argentina and Tri-Nations, where he was really, really good. Um, obviously, they're both very young players, and he in particular looks to be a really exciting prospect. I mean, whether you'll stay with us after this season and when Wagyu-RS start playing again, I mean, who knows? But I think to have him for the season is only going to be useful. Um, yeah, he looks really exciting to play. I don't know much about Carreras, um, obviously from the seventh circuit. Um, never option at wing, but we'll see how he goes. But on the whole, both of them are really nicely unexpected surprise signings. What positions do these guys play in? Yeah, so um, Grondona is flanker. 
and uh, Carreras is a winger. So we've got an even stronger back row than we're already waxing lyrical about. Well, that's the funny thing because it, it, they're kind of being bought in areas where we're already fairly strong. Uh, I think it was probably just the case of these players are available. I don't know, maybe agents had words with Richards. Obviously, you know, they know Orlando's come over here and perhaps they thought, you know, we've got these cup players, do you want them as well? You know, maybe bog off sort of offer or whatever. Um, and obviously we stack them up, I guess, you know, it's pretty low risk transfer, isn't it? Uh, if it works out, then great. If it doesn't, well, you know, never mind. They're probably only here for a season anyway. But yeah, um, I say it's it's the kind of more co- I guess more competition is healthy, isn't it? Really, especially in areas already strong in. Yes, it certainly is. So um, hopefully we get to see them make an appearance against Bristol, whether they start or not. I'm I'm sure I'd probably suspect that they'll be on the bench. If I'm honest. Um, moving on to the Bristol game, um, you may have heard our standalone little podcast be released, but we spoke to Pete, who um, is at Bears Beyond the Gate, which is the Bristol Bears fans podcast. Similar to ours, a few more listeners, I think, but they've been going around for um, it's the mid-second season. So um, this is what we had to say, but take note that we recorded it prior to the rearrangement of Christmas plans. So there's a few things which may seem a bit at odds, but the gist of it's still cracking content. Joining me is Pete from Bears Beyond the Gate. Thank you very much, Pete. Um, Bears Beyond the Gate's a, a Bristol Bears podcast, and just thought ahead of the Bristol game, we'll have a quick chat to see how things are panning out down the southwest. So, first of all, start of 2021, got some fans for once. Looking forward to it. Yeah, well, yeah. Thanks for thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's really good to actually speak to some real opposition fans and uh, fellow amateur podcasters as well. But yeah, we are uh, very much looking forward to going to Ashton Gate. Um, you know, we've got 27,000 empty seats there at the moment, and uh, hopefully we're going to have at least 2,000 and fill for your game. Um, but yeah, we're all we're all desperate to get back, as uh, as I'm sure every every fan in the country is as well. Although to be fair, some people have had the chance already, but uh, we haven't unfortunately down in the southwest. So we're we're champing at the bit, as it were. How are they spreading you around the ground? Do you know, are they are they only using certain stands again, or is it just going to be every man for themselves? But keep keep your distance. Well, it's funny you should say that. We have no idea, except we just got a notification that I think tomorrow there's going to be some sort of information about how the, the, the uh, tickets are going to allocate it. And it sounds like, obviously, it's only to season ticket holders, but it sounds like we've got to like buy <laughs> another uh, our ticket there. It, it, it seems like some sort of Christmas raffle. But um, we're, I, I, I don't know. I'll let you know. Uh, but I assume we're very lucky we've got a lot of space at Ashton Gate as you know so I imagine it will be you know if you get into it you'll be allocated a seat and you'll be sat you know a socially acceptable distance away from uh, somebody else yeah fingers crossed to get it so season thus far you've won two out of three what has been your if you gave a quick summary of how things have gone what would you say well obviously we we started the season on a massive high having uh won the challenge cup uh first time we'd ever won a, a european cup and also finishing third in the premiership so it was a, a massively um exciting end to the season and obviously our expectations therefore were very high at the beginning and it was all looking quite good until about a week before we started when we suddenly found out that we had 15 players missing uh five had been called up for international squads and uh, and then we had 10 players on the injury list including some of our uh big guns the likes of Stephen Luatua um Charles Pietau and then Andy Oren and Luke Morahan so actually our our kind of expectations were fairly low we, we essentially have been playing with kind of maybe half a first team for the for these first three games and the two European games but 
actually done very well. I mean, we're, we're pretty happy with the way we started. And I think it's testament to the fact that we've spent the last couple of years building a really decent squad um, and players that have been, you know, understudies have really come forward and, and uh, made their mark. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think as fans, we were we're actually at a really we're a really happy place at the moment. Yeah. So I guess my question to you, Pete, sort of following on from that is, as you mentioned, you had a really good season last season, won the Challenge Cup and finished in the top four of the Premiership. Going into this season, realistically, what was your ambition? What were your goals for the season, do you think? Well, I mean, this is the, this is the thing. As soon as you start winning anything, your, your expectations start rising, don't they? I mean, realistically, last season, top six was our, our, our goal and we overachieved. Partly, let's be honest, because we suddenly got an influx of players that we were expecting to get this season. So the likes of Semi Randrandra, Max Malins, Ben Earl on loan from Saracens. We also got Carl Sinclair early. Um, so, you know, it, it was brilliant, but it was it raised our expectations. And then, you know, the excitement of winning the cup, which, to be honest, was something that Pat Lamb had targeted all season. And I think whilst clearly he wanted to get us into the Champions Cup, it was winning that cup was also really important. So, yeah, I mean, it was easy for us to say now we've tasted the top table, the top four. Um, had you know we we got beaten quite easily by Wasps in the semi-final, um, but that wasn't to be that wasn't unexpected in the end. We it, you know you get the taste for something you want it again, don't you? I think my optimistic head, my heart would say, are realistically we're top. We want to be top four again. My more rational head would say top six is a is a sensible um, place. Particularly now we've got the pressures of Europe. Um, we've also got the pressures of teams of probably starting to work us out a little bit as well and we're going to have to adapt and change but I think with the squad we've got I mean we'd be disappointed if we weren't top six now. So so building on that um, what are your main strengths do you feel this year and are there any particular players that we need to watch out for maybe ones we haven't come across young ones or new signings? Yeah I mean a lot of people probably casual observers of, of Bristol would assume that our big strengths are our, our backs um, you know we do have this this game plan of of expansive rugby but the reality is we've we have developed a really really effective pack I mean our front row is is uh is very very solid they don't lose many scrums we've got a great line out when it works and the thing that you've got to be really careful of is a driving mall off our line out we when we get into your 22 or anybody's 22 um, we have scored a lot of tries from lineouts there, and and they're not the kind of sexy round the back passes and all that sort of stuff that that we're kind of known for. Um, but we, you know, our hookers have got quite a lot of tries in the last uh, the last season. So um, you've got to make sure that you can defend a rolling mall um, legally. <laughs> um, and but of course, you know, we are. Uh, we are developing into being a fairly complete team. And, and obviously we do have a pretty expansive backline with some serious potential. Um, and obviously uh, I can, can point out the obvious ones. It, it may not make you happy to know that I think Semi Randrander will be available for uh, New Year's Day. And obviously he's a box office player that we've got. But I'll tell you what, the player that has really impressed us is Max Malins. I think he is... Um, he is an absolute thoroughbred of a player and that he's played at fly half for a couple of times. He's played at full back. Um, he's definitely one to watch. Um, and then also one or two of our more unheralded players, um, Piers O'Connor, who's been playing at centre, is, is, is actually stepped in 
while Sammy Randran has been away. He is a, he's got a lot of pace. He runs some great lines um, and he's just a great player. Off scrum half, young Harry Randall is getting stronger and stronger. He's only about five foot one, but he's uh, he packs a, a good punch. Um, and I've got to say, Callum Sheedy, who recently has been capped by Wales, um, he we were talking about this on our podcast um, very recently, that he's the sort of player that if he wasn't in the side, you'd start to notice. He does a lot of work. We call him the conductor. Um, he really gels our forwards and backs together. And he's also a brave in, in defence. He's no pushover as well. So a mix of our, you know, the big players. Um, obviously, Nathan Hughes is another kind of box office. I mean, he gets a lot of coverage because he's got a stupid haircut and stuff like that. But he's actually playing really well at the moment. Um, and we like, you know, we, 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 we base it on forward dominance if we can. And then, you know, we spin it wide and, and find the spaces. So, um, you know, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot to think about, hopefully, for you. So I suppose on, on that basis, and I'm sure Falcons fans are very keen to hear, if you have any, what your weaknesses are then. OK, yeah. I mean, we do have weaknesses, believe me, um, like every... We are... We're not brilliant at keeping hold of the ball. I've got to say, we, 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 we do butcher a lot of a lot of possession we we are um we've got some great back rowers but i know you've got some really solid back rowers and i think your back i think dean richards will be targeting the breakdown massively against us i think if you get on top um that's uh you know that's uh that's a problem i think one of our other weaknesses is that we can be quite predictable at times you know if we we do our little thing where we throw it around the back and we, we try to spread it wide and we you know northampton saints found us out on the second game where they packed the defence out wide and, you know, they we were getting isolated, they were getting turnovers and then they were pushing through. So that's an area that, you know, your defence has got to be solid. Every every rugby, every team that wants to do well has got to have a solid defence. Um, it, it's no doubt about it. But I think our weaknesses can be we, 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 we do stick to our plan quite a lot. Um, and if the plan doesn't work, one thing we complain about in our podcast quite a lot is that we don't necessarily play in what's in front of us a lot of the time. So if you can get on top of us and put us under pressure, then you may reap rewards. Yeah, I think that um, if you look at the coaching pedigree of both teams, we've got Dean Richards, our head coach, and we're very familiar with Pat Lamb. They both played rugby a few decades ago when it was a very different game to what it is now. And they get the basics right and they use that as a platform to build on. Um, so I think that parts of the game might not be too pretty, but if you like, if you like watching forwards run into each other, which I actually quite enjoy, then it could be quite a, an interesting one from a tactical point of view, watching how it all pans out. Yeah, um, I mean, it's 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 a clash of the titans. I mean, I, I I grew up watching Dean Richards as a as a kid. I mean, he's a legend, um, despite the odd uh, um, thing that's happened in his career. But um, and Pat Lamb is is a, he's a god in Bristol. He's a god in Connacht, and he's a god in Bristol. And what he has done is he's infused a philosophy and a, and a vision and a culture to Bristol rugby. Um, and, you know, very much like you, as far as I can see, have come up as a proper team and are operating as a team and as a club and everybody singing off the same hymn sheet and everybody buying into whatever you're trying to do. It's very similar to us. And I think, you know, I see having watched a couple of your games I can see quite a lot of us in you in the sense of your cohesion and you've got some star players. You've got some star players 
you've got Mark Wilson, um, you've got Gary Graham, who are, are you know international level. You've got Luther Burrell, you've got Toby Flood. I mean, I don't know how old he is, about 45, but he's you know he still knows what he's doing. Um, and you've got some good youngsters. So yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a it, as you rightly said, Philip, it's it's a game for the purists. I really think it is. So if we kind of extrapolate that a bit further, it's obviously a bit daft to try and put score lines on it, but how do you see the, the game developing as it goes on? Personally, I mean, we're playing quite well. We, we played uh, Connett recently, uh, well, it was yesterday, actually, and it was a it was a it was an ugly win, and we made quite a lot of mistakes in the first half, and we didn't make take our chances, but I never felt we were going to lose the game because I knew we had the quality, and I and we kind of found a way to win, and the... And the the thing that you've got to worry about is that two years ago or even a year ago, we would have lost games like that. And now we're winning games when it's not quite going, but we, and, and so I feel personally, your cut, you know, your team are coming to the gate. There's going to be a few fans there. It's a long way to come. I think it will be a tough arm wrestle in the first half. But I, I, I think, I think we may just have too much for you in the back line. I think it'd be very well matched up front. It could come down to a couple of our big players making, you know, just doing a bit of magic. So I, I think it will be tight. I think it will be, we won't be a pushover. I'm probably going to think we probably, I'd be disappointed if we didn't score two tries. I mean, we, we, we're like now we expect to score four tries every game, which is ridiculous, but I would say it, it would be something maybe like a 17, 12, maybe, you know, it could be quite close sort of game. You know, I, I, I've got, I think we've got a lot of respect for, for what you, what Falcons have done this season. And, um, you know, Pat Lamb is no fool. He, he'll know exactly that what Dean Richards will be, be doing. So, yeah. There's a funny scoreline that one, 17-12, because that's a yeah, bonus point. Makes sense. If if you'd have if you'd have said, would you take 17-12? If you'd asked us that six eight weeks ago, we'd have bitten your hand off. Yeah. Whereas now we're second in the league, you're third. In theory, we're better than you. Or there's yeah. a few games played, but yeah, um, I think that I'd still take a losing bonus point, but obviously hungry for more. Yeah. No, I I, I I'm you know we we've last season we 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 had some great games, but we drew. With London Irish at the, the gate, we lost to Wasps in the last uh, the last um, minute. Well, this time last year, actually, you know, we had one or two dodgy games where we could have put it to bed and we didn't. And I think, you know, what worries me is teams that are cohesive like you and are, are hungry. And uh, um, I mean, we're playing Harlequins on Boxing Day. Great, you know, got some great players, but I'm more confident about beating them quite easily than I would be about about being you lot to be honest so uh, you know it's, I, I mean it with uh, deep respect but we still win <laughs> let's see how it pans out so thank you Pete um, if you ever want to listen to Bristol's podcast Bears Beyond the Gate is the name I think the main thing that we all kind of hope for this year is 2021 get the fans back in the ground it's what it's all about let's put 2020 behind us so as we touched upon earlier at the start of the episode our Boxing Day match was abandoned against Leicester it wasn't even abandoned, it was just cancelled, so it never even kicked off. And um, similarly, um, London Irish's match at Bath was also cancelled. Um, the way the points are awarded is that the team deemed not at fault or not responsible gets awarded four points, and the team whose fault it was will either get two points if it is deemed that they haven't been irresponsible, or zero points. And I think a fine if they're deemed to have been um responsible in terms of being negligent or it was their fault as opposed to just having some players with coronavirus um i know last week we said five points in europe was extremely harsh um on the team that couldn't feel a team and extremely advantageous to the team that could 
Um, do you think we're being a bit hypocritical if we start complaining about Leicester getting two points in or not? No, I don't think so. Um, as I briefly mentioned before earlier in this podcast, um, I think the four points is probably right for us uh, because, as I say, we don't want to be hypocritical. We don't want to sit here and say, oh, we should definitely get five points because I think that is unduly unfair. Uh, but I think the the unfair element is would be Leicester getting two points because, I mean, to get as an away team, apart from if the away team wins, but if the away team to get two points is not usual. Um, and I think an away team would have to do pretty well to get two points in a game. Um, so I think that's being overly generous. Uh, I would have thought one point probably uh, would be most, but probably most fair, most realistic. Um, you can even look look at it in terms of averages over the season so you could say well Falcons have won four get and won the last three games got four points so four points fair enough um when a team does lose away they tend so far this season they tend to get zero or one point so I'll have one point now I know perhaps if you want standardized rules but maybe there could be a bit of flexibility there um but yeah I think one point would be the most fair outcome for Leicester because you got to think at the end of the day what happens if Leicester stay up by one point? You know, it's not, say, I don't know, Worcester, let's say Worcester are currently bottom. So let's say Worcester are the ones fighting for relegation at the end of the season. Um, would it be fair if Worcester went down by one point simply because Leicester players got coronavirus and Worcester players didn't in that particular round of fixtures? Probably not. I mean, I know they're the rules, but it just doesn't seem right or, or fair in that regard. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's work to be done there. But, I mean, unfortunately, the rules are the rules and that's what it is. Yeah, all the clubs, I think, um, agreed on them in October, so you can't really complain. Um, as a fan, we can say we think it's a bit daft in certain respects. Um, I wonder whether there should be perhaps a first match you get two points, second match you get one point, third match you cancel, you get zero, because it's not the sort of thing where once it's gone around the squad, that's it. This could easily happen four or five times over the course of a season, and then you'll end up with a team getting ten points if they cancel five games, which is equivalent to winning two and a half of them. And it, it seems that... Or, if you got two points every single match over the course of a season, you'd end up in Heineken Cup spots. You'd end up with 44 points. And it just seems that it's too weighted in terms of the team that can't field a team. Um, and also you're going to have teams that might end up forfeiting games against Exeter, where they would never stand a chance of getting even one losing bonus point, let alone two points from the game. And do, do they then have this sort of strange situation whereby they may not necessarily have the incentive to even try to field a team? Well, I think in terms of of the ruling of the, the four and two rulings that they've done um it's sort of i think it's kind of been brought about because they thought it was too harsh last season i think they did five and zero last season was it and um, which again is too harsh but they've sort of gone too far the other way and i think also in the atmosphere of being like oh well we, we shouldn't be too harsh on teams that do have coronavirus that sort of thing um but then i think they need to take a step back and look at it through a sort of a sporting lens the fact that Yes, I know it's unfortunate, especially if there's been no procedural breach or anything like that. But in terms of the competition, you, you just can't be that generous. So I think they, they should have found a happy middle ground and they've kind of swung one way, you know, one way too far and then one way too far the other way. Yeah, um, and I guess we're, we're all saying this after having our Boxing Day match, which we're looking forward to, cancelled against Leicester. But um, it could be that in due course, or it may well be the case in due course, we get cases within our squad. And then um, we might be quite glad if it happens to be the, the speech marks the right weeks of the season that it happens in. Um, so I, I think that, yeah, we'll have to wait and see how it pans out over the course of the year and hopefully it won't become material at the end of the season. But I, I fear that given the amount of games that will probably end up going this way, there will be some 
um, people that feel a bit aggrieved but let's just hope it's not us Right so if we just do a quick roundup of the scores obviously as we've mentioned our game against Leicester and Bath's game against London Irish were cancelled Harlequins lost 19-27 to Bristol and Exeter blew away Gloucester in a second half performance which it was just formidable they put together about 25 minutes of rugby where you could tell why they're top of the league and having maximum points they were just such good quality Northampton beat Worcester 29-10 and then on Sunday Sale ended up losing to Wasps only by three points so it's interesting whether the change of personnel at the top of sale might have um, made a difference to the squad or whether the squad have reacted differently to the psyche of the managers I don't know um, which matches did you catch a glimpse of over the weekend Ian? Uh, yes yeah, so I caught the very end of Exeter Gloucester and you're right in terms of Exeter's performance at the end absolutely superb um, exactly as you say the reason why they're being very clear at the top of the league um, I caught the Worcester Northampton game which I think was definitely a match of missed chances for both teams I know Northampton obviously came away with a win but especially when Northampton were down to 14 men there were plenty of chances for Worcester to take advantage and they just didn't and I think you could tell why they're two teams struggling at the foot of the table. And it was only Northampton's first home win of the calendar year, actually, which is, I mean, maybe not so surprising, but also surprising. But yeah, I mean, that's what I, I caught most. I'm entertaining match, but devoid of quality at times. Yeah, and then if we go to the league table, you've spotted something quite interesting, Ian. Well, not interesting. It's just one of these little funny things that happens at the bottom. What was it that you spotted? Yes, it's... Oh, funny little thing. Uh, if you look at the league table at the moment, you have all almost all the stirs at the bottom of the league, and by that I mean from bottom going up the league: Worcester, Gloucester, Leicester, which is quite amusing to see all those teams prop up for the bottom of the table. Yeah, you get these quirks every now and again, don't you? The league table is a bit of a funny one at the minute because of the um, points not being awarded. So what? I'm going to give it a quick rundown, and I'll kind of caveat the parts where it may change. So as it stands, extra top, maximum points, 20 out of four games. Um, Bristol are currently listed as second with 15 points, and we are third with only 12. However, once, once we get our four points awarded, we'll actually be in second place with 16. Um, but that means that even though we won't have lost a match, we're then four points behind extra just because of the way bonus points have been awarded. We then have Sale, who are in fourth position, and we'll have Harlequins with 10 points and Bath also with 10 points once their points are awarded. We then have um, the Wasps will be on 9 points, then we'll have Northampton, London Irish and Leicester all on 7 points. And then at the bottom we've got Gloucester where things really aren't going well at the minute. And as you just said, Worcester who I think sounds like a currently deserved bottom. Um, I hope it's not one of the seasons where you just get a team that stays at the bottom and languishes there for the entirety of the year. But um, unfortunately, it's looking like it could end up being that way, the way it is at the minute. Yeah, well, a long way to go. Uh, I mean, Worcester do have some quality in them. I mean, last season, they were showed times where they could really pick up some results. So you never know, I guess. But you're starting to see now, as I guess you will do at this stage of the season, uh, you know, gaps appearing in the league between the top teams and the bottom teams. Um, I mean, looking at... I, I, I think Gloucester probably will pull away. I think they've just got too much quality. They may struggle and may well finish towards the bottom, but um, I think at the moment you can do. It's still got to be Worcester, and I think we can't. And only a point ahead of them. I think you can't write off London Irish as well. Indeed, indeed. Right, so that's rounded up this kind of different festive podcast. Um, we wish you all a happy new year, and it's goodbye from me. Goodbye, everyone.